Our epistle lesson for today is from the letter to the Ephesians in the fourth and fifth chapters. So then, putting away falsehood, let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And do not make room for the devil. Thieves must give up stealing. Rather, let them labor and work honestly with their own hands so as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with which you are marked with a seal for the day of redemption. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander together with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Therefore, be imitators of God as Christ loved us. Beloved children, live in love just as He gave Himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If you've been paying attention, focused week in and week out, taking the epistle readings from Ephesians into your mind and heart and ruminating on them throughout the week, then what I've just read sounded like the natural next step in Paul's progression. If, like I too often do, you have half listened or got caught up contemplating one of the phrases or the words and As soon as the reader said, thanks, the word of the Lord, your mind, let all of that go. Then you might need for me to do a little background work. I think I might need to do a little background work. Epistles, our fancy churchy word for the New Testament letters, are like the letters you used to write, aimed at a particular audience at a particular time. But unlike any of the letters I've ever written, they have a higher purpose than recounting what has recently happened or are meant for a broader audience than a thank you note. They continue to have instructive value millennia later. One of the ways we know that God was with those authors of the books of the Bible is that what they wrote remains a living word relevant to our lives today. We might wonder, 2,000 years later, how did that author know 2,000 years later we would still need to be told that we belong to each other? That we are members of one another? How could he know that we would need to be instructed to speak truthfully? To deal with our anger appropriately? To not steal, but to work Honestly, in order to be able to share with those who have needs. To not let evil talk come out of our mouths, but only what is useful for building up so that our words may give grace to those who hear. 
Well, the answer is, he couldn't have known that we'd be reading this letter. He did not know that we would need to be told this. The author wouldn't have thought that Jesus' followers would still need his instructions because he would have thought that by now we would be living fully and and directly in the presence of God. So the reason these words continue to resonate is not that the author had you and me in 2018 on his mind, but that he knew people. He knew sin. He knew what God's kingdom was supposed to look like. What the people of God were supposed to be like. And he wanted his words to build them and, and sense to build us up to be that. The letter to the church in Ephesus, the letter to the church in Florence, is about unity in Christ. We aren't the first to be at risk of bitterness and wrath and anger and to fight with and slander one another. They were at risk of that in the early church too. Even those who had known those who had known Jesus personally had to be told to be kind, to be tender-hearted, to forgive as God and Christ had forgiven them. Which could cause us to say with hopeless frustration, goodness, if they didn't get it right way back then when when Jesus had been so nearby, and and if we've had 2,000 years to do better and we're not doing all that much better, is there any hope for us at all? In his postscript, the author to the Ephesians might address us. I, too, would have hoped that you'd be doing better at this than those early Ephesians. But if I had any idea that you'd still be living on this side of the full arrival of the kingdom of God, then I would have expected that you'd still be working at it. Because you'd still be a gathered body of imperfect people. I hope it doesn't alarm you to realize that you are surrounded by imperfect people. I hope it doesn't hurt your feelings to know that I realize that you and I are still working toward toward perfection, but we haven't quite gotten there yet. It's often awareness about our own frailties that helps us to be better in dealing with others and theirs. So what I think Paul is up to in all of this is helping us to help one another by helping us realize our need. Many of you know that I like to ride bicycles. It was great out west. They had all these dedicated bike paths. There's like barriers between you and the traffic. It was wonderful. We don't quite have that here. So I ride around and... uh, Increasingly, it feels, put my life at risk because of all the distracted drivers. Sometimes they get a little too close and it feels like it was on purpose. Sometimes I realize it was just reckless accident. There are things I want to say to those people. Gestures I would like to make. 
but they're in a vehicle, and I'm on a bicycle, and there's no telling what's in that vehicle, and you can pretty much tell what I have with me, and so we let it go. Besides, we all need a moment to calm down. And in a calmer state, I recall the day that Rob Sasser went riding down my road quite faster than I thought Rob Sasser could ride a bicycle. And now I was pulling out of my driveway thinking I had plenty of time and Rob had to swerve on his bicycle to miss my car. Think about how people have done that to me and how frustrated I was at them and then realized I had done the same to my friend. Remembering that doesn't mean that since I did it and others did it, there's nothing to talk about. It means I made a mistake and am learning from it. So maybe what I'm learning can help somebody else. And likely that honest conversation about cyclists' rights and safer driving and courtesy on the part of the cyclist and the driver would get a better result if I didn't enter that conversation thinking I had never made a mistake. For every, can you believe that guy just? There's a, yes, I can believe it. Because I did something quite similar. Or, or maybe I did something very different, but also not good. I'm not talking about excusing mistakes, sins, relativizing them by saying, well, we all make them, so what's the difference? I'm talking about helping one another live out our life in community, particularly life in the community of faith, by realizing that we all struggle. There are ways to help people in their struggles. But we dare not approach them as though we have never struggled or no longer struggle or that our struggles were less significant than theirs. How did Jesus say it? First, we take the log out of our eyes so that we can see clearly enough to take the speck out of our neighbors. The neighbor still has the speck that is irritating her eye and causing her to see less clearly, to enjoy life less fully, but we dare not ignore what's going on in our lives, that which is impairing our sight, because that would lead us to cause harm to another through our impairment that we can't see clearly enough to help them with what's going on in theirs. I don't know what's behind all the incivility and the harshness that seems to be prevalent these days. There have been suggestions that people of faith have been pushed around for too long and are finally standing up for themselves. We know that sometimes when people have been bullied, they bully back. Jesus wasn't a bully, he was crucified in part because he was unwilling to do damage to those who did damage to him. And sometimes following a Savior and a Lord like him means people will say things to us that we, because of him, cannot say back to them in the same way. Retaliation is not a Christian virtue. Maybe instead we say, you know, I cut a friend off one time when he was riding his bicycle down my street. I know it's easy to do. 
It reminds me to be more cautious because I imagine how that awful scene might have played out and, and how it would have affected his family and, and my family and our church family and the community. And, and it leads me to try to be more careful. Could you be more careful? It's true. In an attempt to correct that speck in another's eye without losing sight of the fact that we have had a big old log in our own and, and maybe that log's out, but there are other logs we're still dealing with. And, and by the way, we're talking with a person for whom Christ died. And how I'd like these teachings from Ephesians to make their way across our community, our state, our nation, our world, that leaders in all parts of society would model these teachings for us I think it would be beneficial if more public community figures would communicate in ways that are, are kind and respectful while speaking honestly. But those persons may or may not have been influenced by the letter to the Ephesians. A letter written almost 2,000 years ago. We are supposed to be. I think it's on us on Christians, to show them what that's supposed to look like. I think it's our calling to learn how to speak the truth to one another in ways that respect the other, even when we disagree. Ways that demonstrate that we recognize the other as a person loved by God, created in God's image, that humbly acknowledges our own imperfections alongside of theirs. We're told to upbuild one another in this letter, so let me try to do that. You all show me tremendous respect. Not every pastor or friend can say that. I'm grateful. You, as far as I can tell, I, I stay off Facebook, so who knows what really goes on. But as far as I can tell, you treat each other with a great amount of respect. It's good training. Because most of your life is not spent in here. Most of your life is spent on the roadways where people will cut you off. And in front of televisions where people are making it easy, dangerously easy for you to buy into stereotypes about all people. And on social media where you don't have to look somebody in the eye to tear down what is they've just posted. So thank you for taking what you're practicing here into those and other realms of your lives and for imitating this God that we know in Jesus Christ who chose to treat others with grace and with love. God knows we're imperfect. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't try to follow His perfect way, to imitate It's worth a try. The world needs us to try.